0: Medics type one, type two, and type three ambulances deliver the industry's highest possible performance value. Go safely, effectively, and efficiently with ambulance models that provide best-in-class delivery. Learn more at medicsambulance.com. Welcome to the STAT Financial Health EMS Personal Finance Podcast, powered by GEMS. I'm your host, Sean Britton, the Principal and Financial Planner at STAT Financial Health. This podcast is focused on improving EMS personal financial health and wellness, and this episode's theme is Banking System and Credit Card Protections. The objective is that by the end of this podcast, you will understand the protections in place within the banking system to protect your deposits and also to protect you against fraudulent use of your credit or debit cards. You will also be provided with action steps you can take to protect yourself from fraudulent debit and credit card use. I'm a paramedic and an EMS educator. Before starting as a financial planner, I was a healthcare administrator, and before that I worked full-time as a paramedic for several years. I understand what it means to live on an EMS salary, because for many years I did it. This education is being brought to the emergency care community because it's my belief that awareness and education can help many of us and our colleagues to improve our financial health and wellness. Recently, we heard about banking failures with Silicon Valley Bank and Signature Bank. In order to understand what happened, we need to start with an overview of how banks and credit unions operate. We all know banks and credit unions allow people to make deposits into accounts, such as checking or savings. To entice people to make these deposits, banks and credit unions pay interest to the depositors. A bank or credit union would lose money if all it did was pay out interest payments to depositors, so the main thing they like to do is use the deposits to fund loans which they then collect interest on. Loan interest rates are typically higher than interest rates paid out on deposits, so the extra money made being a lender is used to pay for operating costs, and whatever is left after that is the bottom-line profit for the bank or credit union. In a perfect world for banks and credit unions, all of their deposits would be lent out at higher interest rates, but that is not always the case. When a bank or credit union has more deposits than demands for loans, they invest the extra deposits to generate income. Often, they will invest in government-issued securities, such as bonds. Over the past several months, the Federal Reserve has been increasing interest rates. With the increase in interest rates, customers of banks and credit unions expect a higher interest rate to be paid on their deposits. Unfortunately for many banks and credit unions, they are invested in long-term bonds they purchased over the past few years, which have much lower interest rates than are currently being offered. This decreases the difference between the interest they are collecting and the expectations of consumers for the interest rates they will be receiving on their deposits. For the average consumer, this isn't a risk because the FDIC and NCUA. The Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation, FDIC, insures certain deposits at banks. The National Credit Union Administration, NCUA, insures certain deposits at credit unions. Both the FDIC and NCUA offer the same protection, which is the first $250,000 per depositor per account type is fully insured. This means that if the bank or credit union fails, your money is guaranteed to be provided up to that limit. This insurance was created after the bank runs of the Great Depression to instill confidence in the banking system and prevent bank runs from occurring. In the case of Silicon Valley Bank, they had many depositors who were technology startup companies who had millions of dollars sitting in their accounts. These depositors were at risk that if the banks were to fail, they could lose all of their money above the insured amount of the $250,000 per account. Because they lacked the insurance protection, they were truly at risk for a bank failure and not being able to get their money back. When word got out that Silicon Valley Bank may have solvency issues, the depositors all made a bank run, wanting to get their money out before it was potentially lost. Word of depositors withdrawing all of their funds got out, which caused more depositors to rush to withdraw all of their funds. Since much of the deposits were tied up in long-term investments, which would have to be sold at a loss, The bank didn't have the cash on hand to pay out all of the deposits, which caused Silicon Valley Bank to fail. Fortunately, the regulatory agency stepped in, took over the bank, and guaranteed that all deposits would be paid out, which removed the risk and thus ended the bank run. This event showed the danger of a bank which specializes in deposits above the insured thresholds based on the clientele they served. If you're the average consumer who has less than the insured amount within your bank and credit union accounts, your money is never at risk. This protection is vital towards ensuring that we are not risking our money by keeping it at a bank or a credit union. As a consumer, should you have more than $250,000 in any one account, you would want to consider opening an account at a second financial institution so that all of your money carries FDIC and NCUA insurance. There are other protections in place for consumers within the financial services industry relating to banks and credit cards. Your credit card carries protections for you as a consumer which are required by federal law. If your credit card number is stolen, but you still have possession of the card, then you do not have any financial liability for fraudulent charges which may occur. If your credit card is physically lost and used by someone else to make an unauthorized purchase, Your total liability as a consumer is limited to $50, as long as you report the unauthorized activity within 60 days of receiving the statement, which has the fraudulent charges on it. If your card was physically lost or stolen, and you report that to the credit card company before it is used for any fraudulent charges, you do not have any financial liability for the charges which then occur. For debit cards, if your card number is stolen, but you still have physical possession of your card, then you don't have any financial liability for fraudulent charges as long as it is reported within 60 days of receiving your statement with the fraudulent charges. If you physically lose a debit card, it carries more risk than physically losing a credit card. If you report the lost or stolen debit card before any charges are made, you won't have any financial liability for fraudulent charges which follow. If you report the physical loss of a debit card within two business days of the loss, your financial liability for fraud is limited to $50. If you don't report the loss within the two-day window, then you have until 60 days from the receipt of the statement which has the fraudulent charges to report that fraudulent activity. If you report the fraudulent activity within 60 days from receiving the statement, your liability is limited to $500. If you fail to report within the 60-day window, then you have unlimited financial liability for any loss which occurs and any money which is improperly taken from your debit card account. This highlights the importance of immediately reporting a lost or stolen card. Here are three actionable steps which you can take to protect yourself as a consumer. 1. Be protective of your debit and credit cards as well as their numbers. Don't provide your information to potentially untrustworthy sources. 2. If you lose a credit card or debit card, report it immediately to the issuing bank, credit union, or credit card company. Time is of the essence, particularly if it is a lost or stolen debit card. 3. Review all of your credit and bank statements as they arrive for any transactions you don't recognize. You should immediately report any unrecognizable charges to the issuing bank, credit union, or credit card company to limit your financial responsibility. Fortunately, the modern banking system has many protections in place to protect us as consumers. But we still bear a personal responsibility as individuals to make sure that we follow the rules which allow us to benefit from these protections, such as keeping our deposits within the insured thresholds, reviewing our credit and banking statements, and immediately reporting lost or stolen cards or unrecognized transactions to the bank, credit union, or credit card company. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you have questions or comments, I'd love to talk. I'm on social media and can also be reached directly via my webpage at statfinancialhealth.com. Please don't hesitate to reach out because I enjoy meeting new people within our emergency care community. This has been the Stat Financial Health EMS Personal Finance Podcast powered by GEMS.